Smashing Security, Episode 146, Password Secrets and Baking Brownies, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Episode 146 of Smashing Security. My name is Graham Cluley. I'm Carol Terrio. Hello, Carol. How are you doing? Ha ha ha. You know how I'm doing. <laughs> Not so good, eh? What's the problem? You might as well tell everyone. Well, it's, it's basically, well, it's your fault. Partly your fault. Mm. Not so sure. I have tendonitis, and basically my right hand is f***ed at the moment. Um, Bleep. So, no, no, it'll be fine. It's not serious. It is serious. I don't know. It's serious because I... You know what you can't do when you have tendonitis? Okay, so I'm right Well, I can think of a few things, but (laughs) why why are you saying this is my fault? That's what's really upset. The fact that your wrist is sore. You uh, came over, and I don't know how you were sitting on the sofa, but... Normal way, with my bottom... Yes. Yeah. Well, I guess you scooted off it like a, like, you know, I don't know, like a slug. And, Charming. and the entire, <laughs> painting a picture. The entire sofa cover came with it. So you were getting up, sitting down, going out, and I kept, it kept kind of annoying me. So every time you leave the room, right, I right. would go and fix it by shoving my right hand into the sofa crack to kind of get the sofa cover tight again. Oh, okay. Yep. And in doing that, I have uh, basically hurt my hand. So, so, my, not my wrist, okay. not my wrist, the A1 sheath Ooh, hello. of the tendon. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of uh, Googling research. So anyway, we'll be fine. It may take a no, few weeks. No, but what does this mean? Does, uh, what, oh, oh nothing serious. I mean, I'm okay. right-handed, but, you know, things like I can't type, I can't open a can, I can't write, I can't paint, I can't make bread, I can't draw, <gasps> I can't unscrew a bottle, but... Because you regularly unscrew wine bottles, I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Go to weight Waitrose, darling. So, oh, I didn't even think about that. Right. How will well, I get might, into my booze? Well, this may actually cure your problem. Who knows? Oh, right, so- right. <laughs> um, but I can edit a podcast. How come? How can you... On a touchpad. Oh, clever old touchpad. Yes. So um, I'm now researching dictation software because that will make my life a lot easier. So if listeners, <laughs> anyone has... Uh, any advice on that for a Mac? I am all ears. So, so, Crow, I mean, your hand and everything, you keep talking. Mm-hmm. It's not a bowler, though, is it? <laughs> I knew that would bite me in the ass one day. Now, Crow, we haven't got a guest this week, have we? Or have we? Well, it's going to be a bit of a different show because of this minor injury, which, of course, uh, was exasperated by me going on holiday and not getting it sorted before I went. So we've done something a little bit different this week, haven't we, Graham? Yes. First of all, we are going to do a rerun from the golden oldie era of Smashing Security. Those of you who were listening two and a half years ago (laughs) may remember that there was a third co-host, wasn't there? The wonderful Vanya Schweitzer. Yes, who I've just spent a week with, he Ah. and his lovely wife, Andriana. Well, we have dug him out of the basement. We've uh, dusted him off cobwebs. (laughs) And we're going to bring out an old episode all about passwords. And we'll replay it to you. Now, it was only our seventh ever episode. I know. So, guys, I am not going to listen to this again. I... I just Why? can't bear it. It's a bit like watching The Office and watching David Brent say something ridiculous. I, you know, I hide behind the sofa and cover my head with 18 pillows and just want to die. So so I, I can't go listen to it. Um, okay. So I, I just hope all the information is accurate still. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it'd be marvellous. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be Wait, you're not going to listen either? Oh, of course I'm going to listen. I'm on it. I'll listen to my bits at the very least. Uh, <laughs> Just do what you normally do. Just tune out when I'm talking. Okay, so we're, we're going to replay uh, an old episode, and that takes about 15 minutes or so. And we're not going to do Pick of the Week. We'll come back with Pick of the Week next week. But 
You said you got something a little bit extra as well. So I had a chat with someone we have had on the show before, Rachel Stockton, who Mm -hmm. works at Lock Me In at Galaspas. And we chatted about IT people. So what we talked about were the challenges that IT people face. There's obviously all the ones we know about, but there's some secret ones as well, ones that no one talks about. So we kind of try and dive into that. And we also talk about what things IT guys can do to get better buy-in from their bosses. And yeah, and also we talk about how people can actually help IT as well. And it's a very cute conversation. She's so much fun. So uh, we had a great chat. And you weren't there, which was fantastic. Oh, you know, no, I wasn't actually. Well, what no, it's see? great. I've <laughs> been having chats behind my back. Okay. Stop chats me. behind your back. Oh, I do that a lot. I do that a lot. Do you think I'm ever quiet for more than one minute? Okay. Let's hear from our sponsors. And then we'll hear the old episode about passwords. And then we'll come back to you for your chat with Rachel. Cool. Whatever your industry, Detectify can help you stay on top of security and build safer web apps. Just enter the name of your website and Detectify will run over 1,500 security tests against it, identifying real problems with a list of constantly updated vulnerabilities submitted by a global network of over 150 hand-picked ethical hackers. The service can even help you discover web assets like unknown subdomains and determine if they're vulnerable to hostile subdomain takeover. So what are you waiting for? Go hack yourself. Take a 14-day free trial at www.smashingsecurity.com slash detectify. Detect with an IFY on the end. (laughs) And thanks to them for supporting the show. Don't you love a win-win situation? Imagine if you could have both enterprise-wide password management with single sign-on. What is single sign-on? Well, Graham, let me dazzle you. Single sign-on is designed to connect employees to high-priority apps, all without needing the user to log in at every single hurdle. Now, by combining these two services, our friends at LastPass may have just revolutionized security at the enterprise level. Learn more at lastpass.com forward slash smashing. You don't need to say the forward slash. <sighs> Smashing Security Splinter Episode Passwords with Carol Terrio, Vanya Schweitzer, and Graham Cluley. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Smashing Security, a very special episode of Smashing Security. It's our Splinter Episode where we are talking today about tips on how you can better protect yourself online. And one of the things which um, I think we should chat about because people are always asking me what they could be better doing about it is passwords. They're a bit of a problem, aren't they? Ah, oh, they're pretty awful. We all hate them. I don't know anyone who thinks passwords are fun, but they're they're kind of a necessary evil, a bit like dandruff shampoo. <laughs> Isn't it? And you know, we all remember life before passwords. We're all of an age where I don't think I thought started thinking about passwords until I was in my teens. Right. To be honest, I, I don't even remember what happens yesterday, let alone life before the passwords. Poor old Vanya. He's got to that point, hasn't <laughs> he's he? He's so old. He's so he's old. He's so old yes. these days. And he, he, yeah, I mean, password they are a nightmare, aren't they? Particularly for the sort of, um, for, let's put it, the, the frailer, more elderly generation, people like Vanya, who are finding it hard to 
keep track of all of these things. And of course, people are expecting you to remember lots of passwords, aren't they? Well, that's it. You know, I mean, I have hundreds and hundreds of accounts and um, I, of course, use a unique password, which we're going to talk about why that's important in a second. But I have to, you know, I in my head, I wouldn't be able to remember all those. Of course you wouldn't. That's why you can always have one password for every site. You choose a nice password, you remember it, right? Oh, I see. You're thinking you just come up with one strong password and use that everywhere. Yeah. And if you could remember that, well, excellent security advice there from Vanya Schweitzer. Um, But I would argue that maybe choosing a password like Enrico Joyously Leopards uh, 79 isn't such a good idea because, of course, if you get hacked in one place, if your password spills out in a data breach, what's the first thing the hackers are going to do? Well, they'll, they'll try again, yeah. They'll try it again and they'll try and unlock your email or they'll try and unlock your PayPal account or your Amazon or exactly. who knows what. Exactly. And it's going to be uh, absolutely horrendous, isn't it? Yeah, it didn't. Mark Zuckerberg earlier this year's LinkedIn uh, password got hacked. And had he used that same password on other social accounts, he would have had a real disaster on his hands. He was using it, actually. He was using it on his Twitter account. I think oh, that's right. That's Instagram. right. That's right. And um, now... Interestingly, he didn't use that particular password. By the way, it was a very dumb password. It was da, 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 D-A, yep. D-A, D-A. He didn't use that password on his Facebook account, probably his most important account. I imagine because his security team had said, hey, buddy, you've got to have a really strong password on your account because you are a prime target. You know what, though? You're making a super good point that not all uh, websites or account uh, you know, where they demand a password actually teach you how to make a secure password. So some of them might ex- accept something like da, 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 right? And mm. um, th- that is, uh, you know, it might give you a false sense of confidence that, you know, that they know what they're doing. But actually, you need to kind of take ownership of how secure you make your password. Right. So let's step back a little bit and, and think about passwords. Because when I speak to regu- regular civilians, what am I talking about? People outside the computer security industry who have sort of... <laughs> accepted that they do need passwords, but aren't necessarily sure quite how they should be dealing with them. Yeah. Um, they say to, you know, they say all the time, well, wh- what makes a strong password? You know, what should my password be like? And I've got a couple of rules and maybe you guys can chip in if you can think of any others. But I think one of them is what we've just mentioned. You need a unique password. You need different passwords for different accounts. But you also need a password which is hard to guess. And one of the mistakes that some people make is they will make their password the name of their dog or their favourite soccer team or um, their mother's maiden name or something which is fairly easy for someone to determine if they know that particular individual. So you might have someone close to you or a work colleague who's then able to work out how to get into your accounts. Yeah, even if it's a phrase from a song or or a book. You know, th- those are not yeah. very difficult to get. So, so summer of 69 is not a good choice <laughs> for a Canadian. Okay. Oh. No matter how great this song is. No matter how is, great this song is. It is a fantastic song. Let's face it. It's one of the best. Um, but those sort of phrases, no good at all. As And similarly, password is no good. And one, two, three, four, five is no good. And qwerty yup is no good. Because we've seen that all before. 1Q2W3E4R, that's not good either. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think people do this, though, because they don't see the importance of the data they're protecting as being valuable, because they're just starting off the account. So what you have to remember is that you're going to be probably using this account for something. That's why you're setting it up. And you're going to be putting in data and information that if it did get out, it could prove to, you know, to to be harmful to you. Right. So we're saying your password needs to be unique. It needs to be hard to guess. But it must be long. We... It has to have lots of characters. It oh, can't okay, just be five right, characters. Okay. Length matters. So the longer the password... I would, of course, say length matters. Normally, that makes it stronger. Um, not not always. You've, not you've just the be... length, of course. It's not just length. It's also the complexity of the password. So <laughs> we would recommend that you have lowercase and uppercase. You have numbers. numbers. You have... Ampersands. Special characters. Yeah. Any stuff like that you can shove in there, it's got to be good. And this will help make your password hard to crack. Because one of the things which the hackers are doing is they are using dictionaries. Uh, they have dictionaries of the most common words and uh, the most common passwords, which they will use against a password database in order to try and crack your password. Also, if you have, if you have, if you use passwords and you exchange some of the letters for numbers instead of E, use three or instead of L, use one, that's also easily guessable. Right. So, for instance, if you, if your password, let's just use a really dumb example to explain that. If you've got the, the, the word password, don't just change the A to a four and the O to a zero because, you know, that's no protection at all against a modern attacker trying to crack your password. So it needs to be better than that. But all of this stuff, right, the length, yeah. the complexity, the, the uniqueness, all comes down to a, one central problem, which is how on earth is Carole's puny brain, which is <laughs> simply full of Brian Adams lyrics, how is it going to be able to cope? How is it going to remember all ask of these me. Passwords. Ask me how I manage it. Ask me. Crow, how can you manage this impossible task with your feeble female mind? I was just wow. doing that for effect, guys. Yeah, I'm okay. Just, yeah. We, we well. all know we all know you're not really female. Come on. <laughs> so I use a password manager. Um, there's a lot of reputable password managers, and there are a few out there that maybe are less reputable, so choose wisely. But what a password manager will do is basically keep all your passwords in one place, and all you need to remember is one master password, which you make, as Graham said earlier, unique, hard to crack, holding lots of characters, and I'm talking over 12 characters to be long. Um and some go up to 20. I mean, that's a minimum. Um, and then you have this one password to access everything. Um, it, it proves very useful and, it, and you don't even have to make them memorable that way. So they're not as easy to crack. They're very random because they're automatically generated. Yes, they're automatically generated and they are stored in a safe and secure way. So yeah. even if you're, they get compromised, they wouldn't be, you know, the hackers wouldn't be easily guessing their passwords. So what we're recommending... Everyone does, right? Everyone who listens to this podcast, I think, has got an interest in doing this and properly protecting themselves. We would recommend, for the vast majority of people, run a password management program on your computer which stores your passwords securely and encrypted, protected by one strong master password. And that master password, if you find it hard to remember all that complexity, maybe you could create a passphrase, whereas you have a sequence of random words. So you could be something like, I don't know, suspects 38 plague 21 rots 
or something like that. It's quite a long phrase. You've got some numbers in there as well. You could add an exclamation mark somewhere in there or an ampersand. But no one, some- no one should use that one. No one no, used that one. Don't use that one. In fact, I've already forgotten it. But if you <laughs> memorize one. your master password, then that will be your key to your password management program. And the beauty of this is that when you try to log into online accounts, you can actually have your password manager pop up and say, oh, I know the password for this site. I'll type it in for you. Some Which- good ones even say to you, ooh, your password for this site is actually quite weak. Let us help you make that a stronger password. Which, Which is, is wonderful service. It? Yeah. It's fantastic. So I think passwords are pretty much here to stay, but also password stealing is here to stay as well. And the bad guys steal your passwords through phishing attacks where they try and lead you to bogus websites, trying to trick you into entering your password details. That's, that, by the way, is another way in which password managers can protect you because they won't pop up if it's a bogus site. They should only pop up if it's the real site and offer to enter your password. But you can also have your password stolen through key login malware, maybe even key login hardware or through a data breach. There's tons of ways. Lots and lots of ways to do this. Um, But generally, our advice is have a unique password, make them hard to crack, hard to guess, and run a password manager. What else can people do to better protect their accounts, though? Um, So you can, uh, we haven't mentioned 2FA or two-factor authentication or multi-factor authentication, Uh, as it's also known. You're nerding me out right now, right, with this, this terminology. What what is this two FA and multi factor authenticate? What what's that bringing me that passwords don't bring me? Well, you have this additional factor. I mean, passwords are something you know, while the second factor is something you have. So you can have this sort of unique generators of numbers, which when you authenticate, it really proves that it's you that's trying to log on to a particular system. So it's not just the password, but an additional number that you have, you either receive it through an SMS message or you have an app on your phone that generates a number for you or you have some other specialized hardware that allows you to enter and create those numbers. So it's a bit like your bank account, for instance, right? It's like your bank account, you're using a kind of token to generate an automatic number. So it's like a physical device in some cases. Absolutely. Like hardware. It's, yeah, it's, right. it's exactly like that. Right. Okay. So we would recommend, and many websites are now beginning to offer this kind of additional level of security. We would recommend that people do this, enable it in order to harden their accounts. And if you do that, even if your password does get stolen, Lord forbid that it happens, but if it does get stolen, the hackers shouldn't be able to access your account because they have that extra hurdle to get past. So a good tip there for everybody. Well, I think that's about all we have time for this episode. We very briefly covered passwords. I'm sure we'll be coming back to passwords again, but I hope that's been some useful advice uh, for most people as to how to create stronger passwords and how to remember their passwords rather than using their puny human brains. All that's left for me is to apologise to Kroll, first of all, for making the rather sexist comment earlier, and Mm -hmm. to recommend that if you like us... Kroll, do you forgive me? No. Oh, dear. (laughs) I just did it for a cheap gag. We'll see how this develops in next episode. (laughs) Okay, so I didn't listen to that. What was it like, Graham? It was wonderful. I, I, well, my my bits were fantastic. I I think. Well, no, it's good. It's it's fun going back and listening to your old stuff, isn't it? I think. Oh, nope. (laughs) Now, uh, onwards, onwards, onwards. Uh, We're now going to show our featured interview with Rachel Stockton from. Log me in and uh, hear all her little secret tips on how UIT guys out there can make your lives easier. 
And I'd really be interested in seeing if you agree with everything we chat about. So get in touch, Twitter, Reddit, you know how to get in touch with us. Take a listen. It's not going to be boring, is it, Crow? Seriously, is it going to be boring? <laughs> Are you just saying that because you're not part of it? You know, Graham? Yeah, a little bit. I'm pretty, I'm pretty funny, <laughs> even when you're not around. Okay, I'm pretty engaging. Okay, Jeez. okay, I'll listen, I'll listen. Don't play chess at the same time, <laughs> right? Don't leave the room to go make a cup of tea. That doesn't count. I'm going to ask you questions about it afterwards. Oh, no, are you? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to. What did I say at five minutes 12? Oh, for goodness sake. Just play the tape. So today we have a chat with Rachel Stockton, Senior Director of Product Marketing at LastPass. Or is it Log Me In now, Rachel? It's Log Me In and uh, LastPass is our identity and access management solution. Thank you a squillion times for coming on the Smashing Security Show to do this special interview. Not only do I and Graham appreciate this professional insight, but many of our listeners want to get to know our sponsors better. So it's really great that you're here. Hey, thanks for having me back. Now, first, before we get into this, how have you been doing? Has the summer been really busy or have you been able to just focus on future plans and that sort of stuff? Mm, summer has been so busy, personally and professionally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but here at Log Me In and LastPass, of course, uh, July 1st, we release our new identity and access management product. So that creates an incredible amount of opportunity for us to really help people solve problems around securing access. So we have been busy the past, you know, two and a half months, really helping our customers figure out, you know, what's going to be best for their employees, their companies, so that they can manage security and secure identities. So that's interesting because this is why I chose this topic for us today. You and I both have worked in the tech environment for quite a while. I was, I don't know, maybe 20 years now. Gosh. Yeah, it's like 20 whisper, whisper years. Time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> <laughs> and, and often the products and services that we create from tech companies make a huge impact on the IT guys' day-to-day -day life, right? It can make it more complicated. It can make it more challenging, but it can also make it much easier. And I thought maybe we could talk about the challenges that face the IT person when it comes to security because some challenges are more obvious than others. Actually, maybe we should first talk about the key responsibilities facing an IT person, just so that we're all on the same page. Yeah, you know, it's so interesting. Um, I talked to a lot of IT people. Yeah. Hey, hey, peeps, you know, all different, all different levels. And particularly when you're looking at somebody in a small and medium business, my huge takeaway is literally they are a Swiss army knife. It's more than just security, right? I mean, they're responsible for everything from tech support to does everybody have a computer? Does everybody have access to the applications? Are the applications we're using what's needed? Do they meet our requirements? Hey, the printer's not working. Oh my gosh, I have to patch my endpoints, let alone how am I making sure that people are getting access to what they need when they need it? Mm. And so it's this like, plethora thrown out that 25 cent word, right? <laughs> of, of responsibilities. That's amazing. But the craziest thing is to the one, whether I talk to our CISO or CIO here or our sysadmin, is that when you say, what do you do on a daily basis? 99% say, put out buyers. So it's all that base work that I just described yeah. <laughs> on top of putting out buyers. I mean, how do you do that? What I've often found when I'm speaking to IT people in that sector specifically, see, actually also in the enterprise space as well, 
you have these huge plans that the, your stakeholders or bosses really want to get off the ground, right? Maybe it's a sales tool to help grow the company, or maybe it's a marketing tool. And yet you've got to spend your time putting out fires all the time. You've allocated time to do the big project, but you just can't ever get there. Yeah, I think it's really challenging. And I think you, what you just mentioned actually is really important. It's understanding the priorities of the company and then being able to align your IT strategies and decisions behind it. So at least you have that sort of shared common language and idea, but figuring out how you do everything you've committed to while keeping the baseline and your end users and employees happy is really hard. Do you agree with that uh, security triad, uh, the idea that being an IT person, security is effectively about ensuring confidentiality, integrity, and availability of files? Do you think that's uh, that sums it up or is there more to it? I mean, I, th- I think it does, but I think there's a lot more to it. I mean, that makes it sound like mm. three checkboxes. But there's you know, there's so much stuff that, that you have to consider when you're deciding and choosing a security solution. And I mean, I think part of it, the biggest part that I've heard from our customers and, um, and others is ensuring that you're able to get buy-in and you're able to be successful with the people who are using it. Because this is not the movie Field of Dreams, right? If you build it, they will not come unless you, unless you have the clout to do that. And in a lot of organizations of all sizes, IT can't do that. So how you get end user buy-in, I think, is a huge issue. And then smaller or medium-sized organizations where the decision maker or the person who really is responsible for the budget isn't technical or isn't an IT person, the other challenge is how do you get them to really understand why you're asking for what you're asking for? So I think those are you know, sort of two things that that people don't really take into consideration when they're thinking about deploying security in an organization. Yeah, you have the tools, but how do you get people to use them? And how do you get your leadership to buy into funding them? Often the IT person almost has the responsibility of going and getting everyone on board. Like it's your job to educate the users on security and teach them how to use the tools that you have to safeguard our data and our people. And yet Mm -hmm. they're not necessarily trained to be a leader in that area. They're IT guys. They're not necessarily the person who can be at the forefront and do a presentation or whatever and and make people understand the importance of security. Exactly. And particularly when you're wearing so many hats. And let's throw this one in. Security is not easy. Security moves fast. Yeah. New threats all the time, new potential ways to solve them. And even talking to your CEO or COO who may not understand it, they may not even understand that there's a literal industry of hackers out there who are trying to get into organizations of all sizes, an industry. Right. They have products that they sell. They have pricing strategies. They have tech support. That's what your IT person is battling. So so the challenge is if we do a little bulleted list here, we've got bosses that don't necessarily get the issue or are supporting their IT guys. There's the users that don't necessarily understand why they have to do the things that they have to do. And there's the outside threat that's constantly banging at every single door and window of the organization. 
And their job is to come in nine to five and solve all these problems. But wait, there's more. (laughs) Even just think about how complex their world is now, right? It's not like I give you a computer and that's all you have. Uh Uh-uh. And you're bringing in your phone and you're bringing in an app that you can just put on your credit card that I'm sure will make your department run faster, but may or may not be secure. Oh, and by the way, half of our employees work outside of our company, um, you know, outside of our four walls. Oh, and another third are contractors. How do I handle them? Do you think comparing enterprises to SMBs, can I use the hospital analogy? So like in a big city, you've got a huge hospital and then, you know, maybe even in a university hospital hospital with loads of specialists that really understand specific problems. And maybe the SMB is more like the small health center outside of town where you've got a really good GP, but they have to be kind of trained in everything. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting. Um, Our IT leader here just gave a webinar actually on sort of 10 things that, you know, IT managers should, should do to shore up their organization. And one, and he's been here for years. So he really helped grow Logman. And one thing he mentioned is, you know, really going from a very small organization full of generalists. So, you know, Swiss Army knife wears many hats. Now we have more than 80 people in IT and seven different departments. So you are mm-hmm. able to have that, that kind of specialization. We also have you know, a lot of requirements and, and things like that. But I think you're right on. I do think that larger organizations who are well-funded, you are able to get that specialization. But you know what you run into? Tell me. Labor shortage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How are you getting qualified people? Yeah. And that is a big problem. We've talked about that on the show before. The fact that you've got companies that are asking for specific skill sets and people are desperate to get in the industry, but somehow there's a disconnect. Mm-hmm. I always think companies can train smart people in anything. <laughs> so rather than look for the experience, I think get the, get the brainiacs. Yeah. But I guess they have no one to train them. Uh, well, I think that's true. But also... You also have to make, and now this isn't even about security anymore. It's really about company culture. Because mm. when you bring somebody in, you do invest and you train them if you're able to, and you have that mentor, that knowledge, yep. but then you have to keep them. And um, I think that this is actually probably one of the biggest problems that's hitting companies large and small, but you have those smaller organizations that um, have an even harder time of hiring quality talent. Right. Because- it's just, you know, their offers probably aren't as high, you know, not quite as lucrative, maybe not the ping pong table and lunch every Wednesday sort of thing. I guess we can pivot easily right now to the idea that actually this is why security technology exists, not only to help the CEOs have a safer environment, but we also designed them and log me and design them to make the IT uh, security guy or gal's job easier on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, I mean, that's one of our key tenants is ease of use, right? How can we make doing business simple and safe? You know, part of that has to do with making it easy for the people who are going to be using it on a daily basis, your employees. But also part of it is how do we make it easy for you? Yeah. How do we make it easy for you to integrate into your own infrastructure, the infrastructure you have now and the infrastructure that you're going to grow into because you're going to be so successful, right? As an organization. Mm. And how do we make it easy for you to maintain? How do we make it easy for you to know what's going on? And I think there are these elements of reporting and automation that are really critical because you don't want to have to add resources for every product that you buy to secure your organization. 
Yeah, I guess it comes down to ROI, doesn't it? Like the return on investment. So if I'm going to invest in not only buying this software, but also learning it, it needs to pay back tenfold so that I can see the value of it and I can sell it to my bosses. Yes, yes. Yeah. But I think that's another thing to talk about is how do you, while doing all of this stuff as an IT person, how do you actually sell what you need to your potentially non-technical leader? Exactly. So you need your boss on site. It makes your life so much easier in any job, right? Yeah. But I imagine in IT, it's huge because mm -hmm. they hold the purse strings and everything. Yeah. So do you have any advice for that IT guy? So if there's an IT guy out there who really wants to invest in a piece of security software to protect his users or protect the company, how would he go or how would she go about that? I think it's a couple of things, right? One thing is definitely take the time to tie your IT strategy or your priority to the business requirements. The key piece mm. that I learned being in marketing for 20-something years is, <laughs> is knowing your audience and being able to speak their language. And so that's the other piece is you have to be able to speak the language of your leadership team. So they may not know the details behind or even the terms like single sign-on or federated identity or multi-factor authentication. Yeah, But they do understand letting their employees get access to applications anywhere they want, anytime they want, so they can be more productive. You know, I think that's such an important point because I think that's something that actually most of us learn with age and experience is actually using big words and complicated thought structures is actually not very smart because it limits the number of people that can actually understand what you're saying. It's true. I mean, the truth is, the truth is words matter. Yeah, but when I was when I came out of college and I went into my first jobs, you bet your bottom dollar I was trying to prove to everyone I was smart. And I did that by trying to make things a bit more complex. So it's interesting. I think you're right. So knowing what your audience need from you and then catering exactly to that rather than trying to show your show your skills and your smart. Yeah, and I think also in invest in education. We talk about educating the end users, you know, ensuring that they understand, you know, why security matters, why we're asking you to do things, you know, the impact your behavior can have on this entire organization. Yeah. But at the same time, there is an education campaign that does need to happen to senior management. What is truly the environment that we're in when it comes to the potential of threats? What kind of threats are out there? Mm. What are other ways organizations are doing that? The more they can understand and then the more you can speak their language, the easier it's going to be for them to be able to not just approve, but champion your initiatives. Yeah. And plus, a lot of the skills that you'll be able to share with your users are useful in their personal lives as well. They all have, their houses are riddled with smart devices as well and IoT TVs and smart home assistants. And a lot of that education will help them secure themselves in their home environment. Oh, definitely. And in passwords. I mean, last pass you know, we were, we we're always about securing the passwords and moving to securing the identities as a whole. But passwords are still one of the biggest risks and the bane of, you know, so many of individuals' existence. Mm. And so even just being able to ensure you have best practices around that at home and at work, that's going to make a huge difference. Yeah. Now tell me, so let's say some of our listeners don't work in IT, but have actually heard your words on how actually difficult their jobs are. What can a normal user do to make the IT person's life easier? <laughs> oh my gosh. You guys and, and ladies listening to this must have just like shed a tear listening to that question. <laughs> that may be the first time those words have ever been uttered. <laughs> how do I help with IT? <laughs> I'd be so interested in hearing like the comments that you get back. I'd love 
I'd love to know what, what your audience thinks they would hear. But I think one thing would be read the messages that get sent out. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Listen to the communication. You know, we talk about using the right language, but there is a responsibility from that employee point of view to listen to what they're trying to say. I agree. Yeah. That's number one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just do that. Yeah. And I think really understand that, you know, your company's data matters. Yeah. Cause your data is there too, right? Yeah, You're an employee. Is. Yeah. And that there really are threats and you may not feel like you yourself are a target, but you yourself are an entry point into an organization. And so because of that, you do have responsibilities and mm. that's part of being an employee. And I think if you just really just do those two things. One, realize your responsibilities and two, do listen to what IT is asking for. I think that would really go a long way. You know what else would help? Maybe Friday brownies, <laughs> right? <laughs> maybe maybe carrot sticks for the healthier ones with a bit of hummus. But yeah. uh, I'd be for yep. the brownies, the brownie crowd. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we have bagel Wednesdays here, Ooh. but then they mm, yeah, then they brought in um date cookie dough bites, so they're dates that taste like cookie dough. So oh. that's our version of healthy too. So that sounds good. Next Wednesday, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> You're always welcome. Rachel Stockton, thank you so much for talking with us today. I think this is an important topic. And I hope, uh, listeners, if you work in IT, because we want to know what concerns you and what challenges that you are facing that we may not know about. And Rachel, of course, thank you for your continued support of Smashing Security. We are extremely grateful. Our pleasure. You guys are, are great. I, just, I think you just make security and everything so much more accessible and fun. <laughs> Oh, Crow, good job. Nice little friendly chat you were having there with Rachel. Oh, a little pat on the head from Graham. Yeah, Thanks, yeah, Graham. Yeah. Good, good one. Yeah, good one. Very nice. No sarcasm at all. No. By no, the way, no my hand's fine. My hand's totally fine. Good, Thanks for asking. Good, good. Well that's, that, well, that's important, isn't it? I'm glad. And is are you, do you think you'll be better by next week? Are we going to do a regular episode next week? Well, how do I know? I might have to get amputated. What? They're going to cut you off from your hand? Well, I guess your hand will be happy. <laughs> well... <laughs> Anyway, and... Uh, <laughs> I really hope listeners feel bad for me and send me some good wishes because this is the quality. This is the kind of love I get when I am hurt. And I still show up to work. Anyway, on that bombshell, I'm going to say, don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at Smashing Security. No G, Twitter won't allow us to have a G. And you can also join us on Reddit if you want. We have a thriving community up there where you can discuss the show. I was just going to say high five to all you listeners out there, but that's too ironic for words. So thank you for listening. <laughs> I get it. Do me well. Thank you, Patreon supporters. Thank you, reviewers. Thank you, retweeters. Thank you all. See you next week for our regular episode. Until next time. Cheerio. Bye-bye. Later. Archie, I am doing better. Thank you very much. I wasn't feeling very well, but your kind bark. I think the Amazon delivery man has just delivered your replacement robot hand. <laughs>